Hi, I'm B. Hi, I'm Audrey. This is Triple F Dodcast. The podcast where we vent about those faithful furry fucks we call our own. You okay, man? Yeah. Let's set the scene. I'm looking at B. There's an ironing board that has been draped with a blanket. That's correct. You're on the floor. I am sitting on the floor. Of a closet. Yeah, my dad's closet. Oh, okay. I'm dog sitting. Uh, so there's five dogs here, which just, there's a general, like, ambient noise of, like, toenails and dog collars tinkling. and <laughs> It's nice and quiet, is what you're saying. Right. I'm in here. I'm, I found the place in the house that has the most walls and the most fabric. You know what? I, I see you, and I appreciate you. So there you go. Thanks. What's up? Um, um, yeah, what's up in your life? I just got back from a trip. We drove from, me and my friend drove from New York City to Maine for the long weekend. It was nice. It was very nice. Lots of lobster out there, you know. Ooh. So I was telling Audrey earlier that I listened to, like, a podcast suggestions podcast, um... A podcast suggesting, suge- making suggestions for other podcasts. Right. Uh, you know, tips from people who know what they're doing. Which, for whatever reason, I usually resist. One of them was talking to your closet. Thank you very much. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, and... so we're doing one thing right, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nailed it. We did a lot of things wrong. That's for sure. <laughs> Um, but one of the other ones was about breaking the show up into segments. Anyway, I think it's going to make a lot of sense. We'll have structure. Yeah, we're going to have some structure, which you need structure in a podcast, just like you need structure in a dog, uh, a dog's life. Oh, wow. What an analogy. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so imagine here that I'll do like some sort of transition that's like dogs barking and then it'll be like, whoa, weird shit. And then it'll be like a few more dogs barking, and then it'll come back to us, okay? Uh, So this segment is mostly about the weird shit that our dogs do, and maybe not our dogs. Yeah, but also like weird shit that we see dogs do. Right. Uh, Maybe like you found a gif online, or you see it at the dog park or whatever. And you're like, that's fucking weird. So we're going to take a look at those things, and uh, Audrey and I are going to try to speculate what we think is going on. You know, like a corgi viciously attacking a cabbage head. There was one that came up on Twitter yesterday that was like a little Shiba Inu barking at a pair of kitchen tongs that were like being like clicked in his face. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Our dogs do plenty of weird shit, but, you know, we also want to hear about your dogs doing weird shit and dogs on the Internet doing weird shit. (laughs) Our dogs are are only so interesting. Yes, exactly. We've been talking about our own fucking dogs for nine episodes now. Yeah, so let's just broaden things up a bit. <laughs> um, okay, so tell me about some weird shit. Okay, so I have one. 
I think it's really weird and I have to deal with it every single day. Besides, after your revelation that Lilu <laughs> tries to interact with you while having sex. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she just wants to participate. <laughs> she, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a great example of content for the weird shit segment of Triple F Dogcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were on to something. We don't need to talk about it again, though. Okay, yeah, but that's just an example of something weird. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so this one's about Spooky. And Spooky, she's just, like, weird, right? Like, we know she's from a different, more evil dimension. And she has dark mystic powers. Yes. That I cannot contain. Yeah. So I live on a street that's mostly auto shops. And they have water runoff. And the, the water runoff, it's always gross. It's always, like, opaque, tan water with, like, rainbow shimmery uh, oil patterns on the top of it. It sounds like, yeah, New York City water. So, Spooky wants to drink it. Like, like she's ravenous for it? Like, she sees that specific water and she wants to drink it? Or she's like... Oh, like, I'm thirsty. I guess I'll just have some of this water because it's in front of me. No, it's the first one. So she, like, pulls to it. Right. Like, I, we walk out of the house, and it's the we've just started walking, and it's the first puddle of water, and she dives for it. If she gets there, she takes a couple licks before we, like, drag her away. She does it every single time. And not just at the beginning of the walk, and not just that puddle of water, but any puddle of dirty sewer auto shop water spooky tries to yeah she's i tell i'm telling you she's there's something wrong with her yeah i agree (laughs) (laughs) i love her but she's spooky she does weird spooky things yeah she's she's an odd one that that's spooky i mean sherlock he'll drink just like garbage water that's on the street and i don't let him I'm like pretty cautious of it because in New York City, you can't, whenever you mop the floors, you can't like dump that in a sink. You have to dump it in the street. So for me, I'm like paranoid of cleaning solution of him like drinking that. It's not like he's pulling towards it. Like he's ravenous to have like dirty garbage water. Right. It's only when he's thirsty. Why does Spooky want to eat oil like that? You know, I don't know, but the best thing I can come up with, and also a frightening thing, is, you know, like, animals will try to eat Freon because it tastes sweet. So my fear is... Spooky would not do well in the wild, No, I tell you. No, wait, I have another story. Speaking on that, um, <laughs> this is another... Not, this isn't weird shit, but once time, one time Spooky escaped a yard at a house I was dog-sitting, ran next door, and by the time we finally got her back, she showed back up holding a pack of rat poison in her mouth. <laughs> she found rat poison in the neighbor's yard and picked it up and was like, this is food, and was like just carrying it around. <laughs> she would kill herself within a day. Yeah, I mean, she's tried so many times to kill herself. Spooky's trying to get back to hell. That's the thing. Oh, my God. Okay, so, yeah, I I mean, I think maybe the water tastes a little bit like something yummy because of oil and certain chemicals or whatever it is. But, yeah, I think it's probably about the worst thing Spooky could ingest. She tries every single day for it. We just drag her away. I mean, Sherlock does a lot of weird things. Um, but recently, I think this is very weird. 
he doesn't like one of my friends. I'm not going to say their name because if they listen, I don't want them to feel bad. But they're going to listen and they're going to know who they are. He really doesn't like them. And they've dog sat for him when Chris and I go on vacation. And he just like keeps his distance the entire time. And I wonder, I think it's because their phone, like they don't silence their phone, even though I explicitly tell them to. I'm like, hey, like, can you like put your phone on vibrate? Because that's something weird Sherlock does is he's afraid of iPhone noises. Okay, that's a huge, that's pro, you probably figured it out. <laughs> the like chirping of an iPhone does disturb yes. dogs. And I'm like, I'm like, could you just like turn that off while you're watching him? And they just like laugh because they think I'm joking. And so I don't think they do turn it off. And so I think he just ends up like standing in a corner and shaking the whole time. <laughs> oh my God. Does he, does he bite them or growl at them or anything like that? Nope. He lets them walk him and all that. You know, they spent the night at my place last night. And this morning, I'm like, Sherlock, look who's here. And he just goes over, sniffs, and then just immediately walked away. And then was just by my side the entire time. And then they just came back right now to pick up their stuff. And as soon as they walked in, he was just like right by my side and trying to get on my lap and like wanting me to hold him and coddle him. Huh. I feel you have you have a pretty good guess with the with the iPhone thing, but uh, sometimes dogs just don't like a certain a person just for no particular reason. They just don't like a person. I mean, there is a reason, but we can't necessarily uncover it always. Yeah, this this uh, stranger just walks around your house and uses all your stuff, and they're just chirping once in a while. Like I can yeah. see why that would be disturbing to a dog. But I mean, he's known this person almost his whole life. Yeah, but I mean, Sherlock doesn't like me all that much either. He can be kind of standoffish with people. I mean, imagine he's like kind of standoffish with someone, and then on top of that, they're chirping. I think we should, I think we should move on. There is an endless amount of weird shit. If your dog does weird shit. Tell us about it. We want to hear. We'll break it down, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully. I mean, we did what we could. Canine Connection. CanineConnection.com. Don't go to that website. Yeah, we don't own that domain. Yeah, we don't own that. Actually, someone probably has that. We probably, I probably can't say that. Yeah. We'll start over. Welcome to Canine Canine Connection. Connection. Canine Connection. Connection. (laughs) We did such a good job. (laughs) Okay. So Canine Connection is the uh, segment where and we took it took us you guys don't even know how long it took us to come up with the name canine connection is going to be the segment where we talk about how to do stuff like sort of the tutorial um or the education part of the show so we're going to talk about stay and wait which are two useful commands wait is personally my most used command me too so I'm excited to talk about this and obviously the difference between the two because they are different from each other. They're not the same and they can't be used as if they are the same. So let's get into it. What's the difference between wait and stay? Wait is used when you are about to let your dog do something fun, but you want them to be patient. And mm-hmm. stay is more of like a 
uh, invisible cage that you put your dog in for a little while so that you can get something done without them moving. Stays probably get useful when they are somewhere between 30 seconds and 30 minutes long. Um, a wait queue is always going to be just a couple seconds long. You want your wait queues to be a simple, short exchange of resources, and you want your stay queue to limit resources by using a longer duration stationary queue. Yeah. I think people use stay when they should be using wait. With my clients, I used to give them like a cheat sheet, like a situational cheat sheet. I think sometimes looking at different situations is more helpful than just like trying to pull apart the nuances of the behaviors. So let's play a game. Okay. I'm going to uh, explain a situation and you're going to tell me if it is a stay or a wait situation. Okay, I'm ready. You're walking Sherlock down the street and you want to stop at the uh, curb to check for traffic before you walk out into the street. Ding, ding, ding. Wait. Wait. Ding, 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 ding. You can't ding yourself. (laughs) What is wait? Why? Because it's a temporary, like, hang on just a second. You're going to be able to cross. We just have to wait to check for something. Nice work. All right. Now you try, now you try to get me. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Don't tell me you need to look at the cheat sheet. Wait, I don't have a cheat sheet. Okay, look, I'll ask you another question. Yeah, I just like you asking me. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. (laughs) Your your needs are being listened to. Thank you. All right, I'm ready. Um, Okay, so a good example. You are walking inside your house, inside your apartment after work, and your arms are full of boxes because you just quit your job Relatable. you don't want your dog to jump up on you um or run out the front door as you set those boxes down so that would be what is stay ding 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 we're getting it you and i we're turning into real podcasters yeah yeah Yeah, this is real (laughs) okay why so because I don't know if I can explain this right, because I feel like I could argue the same thing for a wait. Okay, I, this is a hard one, I'll admit. You could probably argue a wait or a stay uh, for the situation. I would use a stay because I want to be able to set my stuff down. Maybe I have more than one trip to the car. Uh, maybe I need to uh, shut the door, it, get the boxes out of the way, whatever it is. It's probably going to take me more than just the couple of seconds I want a wait to be. Um, it's a little bit of a longer duration. Yes, the dog is still going to get to say hi to me afterwards, but I don't want the dog to think that they're going to get to run out of the wait and jump up at me at the door. I want them to allow me to get everything kind of situated before I release them to move around the home again. I know this is hard, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because this is hard for people when we're training too. And it was the thing that was the hardest for me when I was like an apprentice dog trainer to figure out. Another example, you run into a friend on the walk and you Sherlock wants to say hi and your friend wants to say hi to Sherlock what behavior do you use wait why 
because I'm going to let them say, I'm not a bitch. I'm going to let them say hi to each other. You're just waiting for some patient behavior first. Exactly. I'm just waiting maybe for Sherlock to settle down. So he doesn't jump up on her. Exactly. Okay. So great. Because I'm going to give, so I'm going to give him that reward. Of getting to say hi to the person. To be, I just need him to be patient. Right. Whereas like if I were to run into a coyote maybe stay in that situation because i'm not gonna let him interact with a fucking coyote so what do you give him instead a a separate reward yeah a treat a treat so in a so we finally we we made it to the end audrey me and you my god we made a breakthrough a wait is when your the reward is whatever you're giving you know the release when the release is the reward. You got it. <laughs> wait, I got it. You wait. guys, I got this. So wait is when the release is the reward. Examples. Getting out of the crate. Getting out of the car. Being fed. Yeah. Um, crossing the street. We mentioned. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. stay is that invisible cage. Think of it like this. You give your dog a treat. To apologize for the fact that you're not going to let them interact with the thing. Okay. That makes total sense. Examples of that kind of stay. Uh, You see a coyote on your hike. (laughs) It's a really severe one. You're walking down the sidewalk. It's kind of a narrow sidewalk. And there's um, somebody pushing a stroller. You step off to the side. You put your dog in a stay. You let them pass. And then you leave. The stay means no. You're not going to get to jump on the baby in the stroller. If you'd done a wait and then you released your dog, the ins- the insinuation is that the dog would get to then play with the stroller. Okay. Okay. All right, this makes sense. It's all making sense. <laughs> it's sort of making sense. So after we got into, thanks for coming to my TED Talk on wait versus stay. Yeah. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> okay, so how do you teach wait? So take something your dog likes. Like, a ball or a treat or something toy and uh typically you ask your dog to sit if your dog doesn't know a sit yet they can just be standing you're gonna say the word wait uh you know have the reward somewhere where they can see it tell them to wait and if they're patient and they stand still you release them with their release word and they can go play with the toy or eat the treat if they try to get up before the release word you pull the toy or the treat out of their reach so that they learn they cannot get it unless they wait all the way until the release word. Okay. And then most commonly the release word is just what? Okay. Okay is a common one. Uh, Release is another common one. If you're like me and you have multiple dogs and you want one, you want all three of them to wait and then you want to release them one at a time. uh, Each of my dogs has an individual release word as well. Okay. Um, and great practice for that, I think would be like with a doorway maybe. Yeah. That's actually one of the places we usually start teaching it because it, it's easy to body block your dog if they try to run through the doorway mm-hmm. before you release them. I was going to say, I use weight every day before I feed my dog. I put his food in the bowl and I make him wait. And then once I give him the command that he can go ahead and eat his food, he gets his food. It's so incredibly useful. Uh, I'm in my, for example, my dad's backyard has a deck with many, many steps on it. And my dog can be walking down the steps and I can say, wait, and she'll just stop where she's walking. 
halfway down the steps. And then I can say, okay. And she'll just start walking again. I don't even have to go down there and say it. I can say it from behind her. And it's because she knows if she waits, like I asked her to, I will release her and let her continue. If she doesn't wait, I'm going to probably make it more annoying. And so it works in any situation that I need my dog to just stop and be patient for half a second. Very cool. So then teaching stay. I think something to note is when you're teaching dogs commands, try to limit yourself to only say the word once. I notice a lot of people repeating the word several times within like 30 seconds. And I think that does create some confusion on the dog because then they expect to hear the word like five more times to actually for them to actually do the command. Like, as particularly with stay, people do that thing where they, you know, they're like, yeah, my dog can stay for five minutes. And then they stand next to the dog and every 30 seconds they say stay to their dog again. Yes. Yeah. No, your dog does 30 second stays. I don't do a five minute stay. Mm-hmm. If you're going to repeat the cue, you better get a tape recorder and stick it on your dog's neck. But stay is pretty easy to teach. You can put your dog in either a sit position or a lay down position, and you're just going to tell them to stay. You can use a hand signal, and then you're going to start out gradually. You know, maybe if they stay still for three seconds, you're going to give them a reward and then um, release them. We should reiterate that the reward must come before the release when you're working on stay. You are rewarding the stationary behavior and not the getting up behavior. If you give your dog a treat when they get up, you will weaken your stay cue and it's never going to be useful in a real world scenario. This is exactly why it's bad to use a stay when you should be using a weight. With a weight, the release is the reward with a stay, you reward and then release. Start with a couple seconds or however long your dog will stay still and then just gradually make it a little longer and a little longer and maybe, you know, take a step away, take a second step away. You can gradually make it harder. And when we did, um, I think it was like one, uh, like your more advanced classes, we would walk around and bounce tennis ball, walk around your dog in a circle and bounce a tennis ball while they were in a stay. And that was tricky because for a brief moment, the dog wasn't able to look at us, like wasn't able to have eyes on us. And that's when a lot of dogs want to break their stays is when they lose sight of you. Yeah, there's a, you're talking about what I used to call the circus clown stay because I got a whole bunch of people to look like um, ding dongs in a pet store. But the a lot of dog training behaviors, a lot of cues come back to the three D's and, and the three D's particularly apply to stay. And the three D's are how you take a um, cue and make it actually useful for the real world. And the they, they stand for duration, which is how long can your dog stay for. And like Audrey said, you start short, maybe three seconds. If you've got like a six six week old or like a, a six month old Yorkie puppy, you're going to do like a half second stay. You know, you have to start as short as as you need to, but you start really, really short. And starting short like that also just sets you up for success so that you're not becoming frustrated and like, you know, quote, like failing really. Right. Because if you're like, oh, we're going to do a minute long stay and your dog breaks it immediately, 
the dog doesn't get a treat, it doesn't get a reward, and then you become more frustrated. So it's just going to be a negative experience. You want to start slow and then just build and build their confidence and yours. Let's finish the three Ds. Distance, duration. So we did just a duration. So what's the next oh, one? Distance. What is that? Like, how, how would you teach distance to a dog? Just taking a step back and just kind of putting more distance in between you and your dog so that a stay doesn't just mean, oh, just stay still while I'm, you know, standing here staring at you. Like you mentioned earlier, a lot of times dogs struggle when they lose eyesight of their guardian. So practicing a, a distance stay, you know, the goal might be I can put my dog in a stay in the kitchen and uh, walk to the living room and answer the front door, you know, and my dog stays in the kitchen. Yeah. For me, the one I use the most is um, I put him in a stay when I open the oven door when I'm cooking. He wants to put his little snoot in there. Yeah, he wants to burn his little snoot. That's a good example uh, of the difference between stay and wait, too. You don't want to use a wait uh, in regards to the oven because then you're telling the dog when you release them, they can go investigate the oven. So you would use a stay there. So yeah, distance, you start with one step, like Audrey said, and you very slowly work your way to five steps, 10 steps, 30 steps, you know. And at the same time, you have to reckon, well, let me, let's move on to the third D and I'll talk about the next thing. Distractions. Distractions. What do you mean? In your circus example, the distraction would be the ball bouncing up and down in front of them. That's a distraction. So distractions can be anything that sabotage your stay, basically. And I like to practice with things like the tennis ball because you can, like I've been saying with duration, you're counting the seconds and with distance, you're counting the steps. With something like a tennis ball, you can count the number of bounces. And okay, Sherlock can stay while you bounce the ball three times, but if you bounce the ball four times, he gets frustrated, he gets up, he tries to get the ball. If you practice it with something that you can count, uh, you can be sure you're not moving too fast. Okay, so we have the three Ds, duration, distance, distractions, and they're all kind of quantifiable and, and in their own certain ways. And as you aim to increase each one of them, you need to be aware of how they interplay and affect each other. Please expand. <laughs> um, what I mean by that is if you are going to practice with um, a higher distance than you've been practicing, you're going to try to go from five feet to 10 feet today. It is in your best interest to do an easy duration and a low level of distractions the first time you try to crank up the distance because it's it's likely if you make one of them a lot harder but you don't make the other ones easier that you're going to have a failure it's a lot more likely you'll have a success if you just focus on one d at a time and just kind of very slowly raise the bar on each d as a separate one yeah that that makes sense so like an example would be you know, maybe in your kitchen at home, Sherlock can do a five-minute stay, but at the park around squirrels and other dogs, Sherlock can only do a 60-second stay. Mm -hmm. That's a different level of distractions 
And so yes. it affects the duration of your stay. And you should be thinking about those things because it's going to help you make sure your dog is successful. And, and in that, that vein, if you have an error, like you try to jump from um, a 30-second stay to a 60-second stay and your dog breaks it, go back down to where the last place you were successful and then move slower because you really want your dog to think a stay is an invisible cage. We don't want your dog to think that breaking a stay is even really a possibility. And if you move really fast, you're not just trying to teach your dog to stay, but you are definitely teaching your dog how to break a stay. So what would you do if you were practicing with your dog and you were doing well, but then the dog broke the stay? How would you recover from that situation? I definitely think you don't want to end your training there. I think no. you want to end on a positive note. But how would you kind of fix that? I, I would, if my dog got out of a stay, first of all, make sure you're not super fun when you uh, correct your dog. Like if you lean down, oh, Sherlock, you're not supposed to do that. That's a reward. Um, so a lot of times I'll snap my fingers and point, uh, kind of snap my fingers to get their attention and then point my finger back where I want them to go, put them back in the position. If I tried for a 60-second stay and my dog got to 48 seconds before she got up, I'm going to do a 35-second stay and then try to slowly move back up towards my goal. I'm going to go even further back uh, to ensure I'm successful because every time you have a failure, you need three successes to, to make up for it, to wipe it out of your dog's memory, let's say. And that's mm -hmm. not like a real metric, but it's a good way to think of it is that if you have an accident, uh, an accidental stay break, you need to have three good stays before you can start to move on. All right, cool. I guess before we move on to our final segment, um, any, any like major tips for practicing wait and stay? Do you want to wrap up here? I think just take it slow and make every experience a positive one. A good rule for every, uh, every yeah, behavior. That, I mean, that's just training in general. Maybe that's the canine connection sign off. Take it easy. Yes. Take it easy. Keep it fun. Keep it fun. Always end on a positive note, but we'd love to hear, you know, after this episode, if you guys are practicing with your dogs and you still have some questions, please let us know. Um, so we can answer them for you and make your, help with you know make your training more successful um and you know if you have any videos that you take of your dog practicing stay we'd love to see them so be I'll, sure to tag us on instagram i'll critique them <laughs> i'm just kidding i won't <laughs> critique them uh, yes, I'll, I'll praise yes, them um yeah and maybe for uh, next week's canine connection we had a, a listener request um what to do about a dog that really dislikes a particular person and um also a dog that is very very shy with with people in general it's how to kind of handle those things i thought it was interesting you mentioned the in weird shit today that sherlock uh, doesn't like one particular person in your life so yeah. i thought maybe we could do socialization with people yeah that's a great one uh, and if anybody else wants to send in their their questions let us know cool so our last segment today is gonna be What's wagon? So this is just kind of for us to talk about something that made us or our dogs happy this week. Okay, here I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say the name and you're gonna say uh that Sherlock's nub is wagon. Are you ready? Okay. 
Okay, here I'm we ready. go. What's wagging? Sherlock's nub is wagging this week. <laughs> Perfect. As I mentioned, I just got back from my road trip to Maine. Along the way, I stopped by a lot of exciting places. And in each one of those places, I found something unique for Sherlock. And so while no human in my life got any souvenirs, Sherlock got a lot. So on our way to Boston, there's this great um, bakery, but they don't do like conventional like biscuits. They're called Polka Dog. They're based in Boston and they do a lot of jerky. And they, I stopped by their store and I was very excited. So I filled up a baggie of, you know, haddock skins and cod skins and uh, tripe and wow. clam chowda treats. He got spoiled. Yeah, so that's what he got from Polka Dog. And then when we went to Maine. That has to be the stinkiest store. Oh, my gosh. I had to, like, double bag the the loose raw, the loose bag. And then I had to put it in a plastic bag because it was stinking everything up. <laughs> and then when we went up to Maine, um, they, you know, most commonly you see, like, elk or deer antlers. They had moose antlers because there's so many moose in Maine. So he got a moose antler too. Good boy. Yeah, so he really cashed out this weekend. Well, I'm glad that Sherlock's nub is wagging. And uh, we'll, check it, we'll check back in and see if he's, if he's still wagging his nub next week. If your dog is wagging their tail for something this week and you want to let us know, please do. Uh, we're going to talk about you know, products and and stuff in here, but we're also going to just talk about things you can do for your dog to make sure they're having a good day. And we encourage you guys to try to make sure you're putting a little happiness into your dog every single day because they give us a lot in return. Oh, it's so true. We got a little sappy at the end. Oh, those little fuckers. Uh, I think this went pretty well. Same. Are we done? Yeah, we can be done. I got to go hang out with my faithful furry fucks. Perfect. Um, okay, so what I was going to say, um, we're on Patreon too, Triple F Dogcast. Uh, we're not going to, well, well, the, the Patreon will turn into something over time, but for now, we have, um, cheat sheets of all of the different behaviors that we've talked about on the show so far, and we're going to put those on Patreon. Uh, if you want access to the cheat sheets, they are just a dollar a month. Um, and you can get access to the uh, how-tos and step-by-steps and anything else that we might think is helpful to you guys in regards to the canine connection portion of our show. If you like listening to us, please rate, review, and subscribe, and tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at triplefdogcast. You can email us questions at triplefdogcast at gmail.com. Thank you to our editing assistant, Kaylee, and thank you to bensound.com for our music. Bye. Bye. Beautiful. <laughs> you didn't say we had to say bye. I, you know what? It was improv. It wasn't in the script. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs>